Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Episode seventy three of the uh, of the Scott Gibson show. I am Scott Gibson. Who else would I fucking be at this point? Swearing straight off the bat. Um, interestingly, recorded another podcast uh, earlier on today. Uh, what a day! What a fucking day it's been, man. Uh, in that podcast, the one I recorded there this morning, uh, my my co colleague, my co host, the wonderful DJ Malaka Lee, uh, you know, the uh, visionary. Uh, philanthropist, man of the people, uh, voice of the uh, of the, of the great unwashed. Um, concerned about swearing, and I have to say, it's made me think. Um, you know, looking back on some episodes, maybe there is a bit too much uh, sweary, sweary. Maybe there's too much swearing. I I have always had an issue. I think um, very uncomfortable today in the chair. Uh, can I just say, uh, possibly. We're going to be needing a new chair. I really want a new desk. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want, but a standing desk. I feel like that's the future of podcasting. Broadcasting to the uh, to the nation. Yeah, nah. Feel we standing desk get a good get the circulation going. Maybe that will uh, increase the, uh, the 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 anger and the rants by five or six percent. Who knows? Um, but yes, swearing. Sometimes when I listen back to some podcast episodes, I, sometimes the language, I think, good God, good God, Gibbo. There's absolutely no need for that, that volume of swearing. 
But then I don't, sometimes I don't even realise I'm swearing, you know? It just rolls off the tongue, it's part of the vernacular. Being from the West Coast or being Scottish indeed. It's just the way we speak, man. We mean no offence. And I think that I don't trust people who don't swear. Now that's a bold statement, allow me to back that up. I think that if you are offended by language in that sense, where we've all met people and they go, oh, that's too much swearing and that, they need for all that swearing. Fuck off. It's just, uh, it's a very, I think swear words are powerful. I think it can get, you know, cut right to the, get to the point. Um, I've had it on two occasions, one uh, for a competition, which I... Would you say I deliberately threw? Probably yes is the right way to do it. We, we were taken into a to a room for this big speech um, for one of the head judges who who hated me, uh, disliked me. And, uh, and then, like everything else in my life, once they get to know me, uh, then they love me. Uh, and that's exactly what it, what it ended up being. And we're, we're still friends to this day. But I often uh, take the piss out of her because for the first year that we knew each other, she disliked me. And she disliked me because I swore on stage. And that was it. How fucking petty and pathetic is that? Anyway, we got this big speech about um, don't talk to the judges. The judges are not here. They're here to be part of it. They're not here to judge you. So don't, don't interact directly with the judges. Um, I can't, and this was the exact words, and I'll never ever forget it. I can't tell you not to swear, but my advice would be this. If you can do a set without swearing, please do it. None of us are here to be sworn at, and the chances of you building a career or moving further in this industry are very slim if all you do is rely on bad language. And I thought, what the fuck is this? <laughs> First of all, I hated competitions. Um... Competitions in the comedy industry are the worst thing that can ever happen to comedy. Well, there's a few other things, but it's up there in the top five. Competitions, awards, putting people against each other. It's all nonsense and lies and buffoonery, for want of a better word. Um, anything in an industry that is award-driven or recognition-driven, other than being from directly from your peers is designed in order to create work or earn money for something else for an external factor. That there is there should never be awards in in art. There should never be uh, structure placed upon people put, put put against each other. And these comedy competitions do that. And I hated them. I never ever enjoyed them. Possibly some people may say I have a problem with authority. Maybe that is the case. But I, uh, I went out and I did my normal set, which contained swear words, and I spoke to the judges and I was disqualified and, you know, the fucking the rest is history. But like I said, that person, once they got to know me, and uh, we hung out and had some conversations about life, uh, I remember saying, I, I misjudged you. And I went, I actually didn't know she didn't like me. And she went, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really care for you much uh, because you're swearing. And I went, are you serious? She went, yes. And I said, so you judge my complete character on a five-minute uh, comedy routine that you saw in a basement in Glasgow. She did, and I went, well, speaks volumes about you. Anyway, so, you know, swearing is swearing's great, man. It's great. You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's part of the language, man. Stephen Fry loves it. You know, and who, who are we argue with him? Legend. So I say, if you want to swear, 
fucking hell, I swear. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll start to monitor our language on these podcasts. Maybe. Who knows? Um, I should say, uh, I have restarted Couch to 5K because I am determined, uh, before I die, uh, shuffle off this mortal coil, then I will one again, uh, once again, sorry, be, uh, be fit and healthy. I, I have flashbacks to when I was a young whippersnapper in my early 20s, and my God, was I a fucking machine. Um, when I look at me now, uh, I'm a machine that's been decommissioned for some time and lying to rot. Um, I'd done it before. I think it's a nine... If you don't know what it is, it's, it's basically Couch to 5K. I'm sure you heard about this. It's, a, it's an app that you use, right? And apparently it's designed to take you from the couch to running 5K or, the caveat is or, for 30 minutes non-stop. That's the caveat. All right? So through this nine-week program, you go from sitting on your fat ass on a sofa to running 5K non-stop or for 30 minutes whatever is greater I would imagine and uh, last time I did it I think I got to like week 4 and it, it was feeling good I was feeling good I was I was losing I was shifting a bit of timber um, and I was yeah I was I was doing well it was hard um, but I was doing alright and then lockdown and Covid uh, moved house then lockdown and Covid and uh, that all got flung at the windy so, try to get back in there again. And I have to say, it is horrendous, man. I I have never been one of these people, even when I I liked... So, I played rugby for quite some time. I enjoyed training. But I never enjoyed ever working out, ever. I've never enjoyed working out. See these people who almost get hard on for going to the gym? Oh, my God, I've got such a pump, man. I've got such a pump on. I'm pure pumped, man. I'm absolutely pumped. Get my pump on. Never. I understand there is a chemical reaction in your body where the endorphins go crazy. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm endorphinless. You know? We've seen on a Rocky movie. Um, I, I, am in, I am endorphin free. I could be in a treadmill. I could be on a bike, lifting weights, doing whatever. I feel awful after it. I have never in the history of my 36 year existence ever done a workout and then after it felt, oh my god, I feel amazing. I felt like I am a bag of shit. <laughs> I don't get it, man. I would love to be one of these people who just has this is this vigor for life, you know? They do a wee half hour run lap. God, I just see just to get that run in first thing in the morning, it just really sets me up for the day. See if I went for a half hour run first thing in the morning, I would go back to my bed and I would see you the next day. It's never going to happen. Everyone's different, people. Why can we not accept this? Everyone's different. So we started again and uh, did the first run today at lunchtime. And uh, of course, the first time that I decided to go for a run in, uh, in over a year. <coughs> I say run, I mean, it's a fast jog or a wobble, if you will. It's a wobble. Um, the sun is splitting the fucking trees. Pissing with rain yesterday. Uh, weekend was horrible. And today... I said to the missus, I'll come with you, because she's been running out for a couple of weeks. I went, I'll come with you, and I'll restart, couch to 5k, and the sun is splitting the fucking tree. It's like a tropical day out there. I thought I'd see people having barbecues. Um, So, had the app on. <clears throat> Oddly, I listened to 
either podcast or talk sport, right? And I know that's daft to listen to something like talk sport when you're working out, but I find that if I listen to music, which a lot of people do, I find if I listen to music, my mind just drifts. My mind, it drifts away. My mind drifts away. It just goes, and then before I know it, I've lost count, or I start running to the side of the treadmill, and then you do that thing where you trap your foot on the mat and the kind of edge bit, and then you fucking smash your face off the console, and everybody's embarrassed, you know? Um, So I tend to, (coughs) excuse me, I tend to listen to people talking. It does something to my brain. It focuses my mind on the task at hand. I don't know if it's because I've had years of late night drives back from gigs. Um, <clears throat> God, what's that in my throat? I I always had a, a four and a half hours was my rule, right? If the gig was less than four and a half hours away, drive from my house, I would drive home. And uh, the reason being, that was that was my limit that I could drive, was four and a half hours. Because I would do two, I would have a break, I would do an hour and a half, I would have a break. And then, because I knew the, I knew the uh, service stations that would stop it as well. And then the last hour, you just blast it home. And because, even it, usually when you're gigging, you're doing clubs, maybe you'll finish with a couple of drinks, if you're not driving home. And this was always my logic. So you'd be, you'd be wide awake, you're fired up, right? <clears throat> Say the gig finishes at back at 10, 11. Have a couple of drinks or don't have a couple of drinks. You don't always have to drink. You get back to the hotel, maybe 12.30, maybe 1 o'clock by the time you leave the club. Uh, you maybe get something to eat. You watch a bit of telly. Maybe you watch a film because you kind of switch off straight away. Sometimes you might even do a podcast. You know, I've done that before with friends. Whatever it is you do, you maybe get to your bed back at 2, 3. You have a long lie in. And then you get up and then you need to come home. So by the time you're getting to your bed, it's back at two, three. Whereas if you get in the car, once you're done, you're set. You've got the gig energy and you blast home. So four and a half hours was always my limit. But I always had to listen to people talking. Couldn't it be music. If it was music, even if it was something like ultrasonic, crazy boom, boom, it would just send me to sleep or it would, it would, it would distract my mind. Talk radio, talk sport, podcast, things where people are talking. And that kind of channels me through. So I always listen to something like that when I'm doing a workout, right? Then And again, it's odd. But today is the start of Cheltenham. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So while I was doing my run around the park, <laughs> I was listening to Talk Sport, which had the Cheltenham commentary on. So at one point, at one point I'm doing my I'm doing my wee run. And on week one of uh, Couch to 5K, you run for 60 seconds and then you walk for 90 seconds, run for 60 seconds, walk for 90 seconds, and the thing is, when you explain that, you think that's a piece of piss, but trust me, see when you're a fat bastard man, 60 seconds is a fucking long time, so, I'm doing my wee run, and I can hear him going, and he's coming over the back straight, and here he comes, and he's one leg, and he's, and he's, and he's, and he's, and I felt as if they were, I felt as if, I was like some kind of racehorse that was being commentated on coming round the fucking Pilrig Park. But uh, yes, we started it. So let's we're going to get to the end of the nine weeks. Um, I've already said today I I will never run in a park again. I, I've done it once. I will never, ever do it again. It was absolutely horrendous. My anxiety was through the fucking roof. I felt like everybody was watching me. I... Um, 
people were constantly coming past you, either they were running or when you're running, you're going past people. I was getting anxious about that. The for because we've had really bad rain in the last couple of days, the park or the grass bit is just a fucking mud bath. Everybody's trying to stick to the path. Nobody will move each other's way. Um, it was horrendous. It was an absolute twenty-five minute, thirty-minute run of anxiety, fucking shin splints. It was hell. So I will never. I'm telling you this right now. I'll never run in the park again. I'll find someone else to run uh, until we can go back in the gym. But I know what I need to do. It's odd when you get to a certain when you get to a certain age, especially if you've ever done anything with fitness. Like if you've, if you've ever played a sport to kind of relative high level, you 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 very quickly understand your body, and I know exactly what I need to do. I need to get back on the weights. That's it. That's that's the only thing that. Yes, cardio is good for me and it helps improve my cardiovascular fucking ding, 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 ding. You know, and I want to be able to get fitter, but I know my body and I know the only thing that's going to help me really shift the, the this next phase of timber is uh, getting back on top of the diet and getting back on the weights. It's, it's the weights, Weightlifting seems to be the only thing that has ever worked for me to lose weight, which is odd. I suppose it's just because I got such a big frame that you know maybe that's the only way to change it. But I don't know. But I was I, I was having a wee chuckle as I was struggling to breathe, going up a tiny incline today, round uh, round Pilbrig Park in Edinburgh as I was being uh, listening to commentary on the fucking Cheltenham horse race, and I thought, well, <laughs> it felt like I was being cheered in over the line by the uh, by the presenters at Talk Sport. So there you go. I do, I do think it's mad that Cheltenham is even on. That, that I, uh, that, and I, I, I just saw the days where the Oscars have been nominated. I didn't even, I didn't even fucking realise they were still doing the Oscars. I thought all that shit had just been scrapped. I mean, has there been a single film that's been? Listen, see if you released a film or a documentary or a or a or a short doc or an animated bag of shite. If you release something in 2020 and you are not nominated for an Oscar, that must have been the biggest pile of shite that has ever hit the the big screen. And let me tell you, there's a hell of a lot of shite out there. I, I couldn't I could not name you. I mean, I, I've I've looked at the nominees. I could not I couldn't name any of the movies. Couldn't name a single one. Apparently, let's just get the, the list up here. Um Apparently Sasha Baron Cohen, um, if I could say his bloody goddamn name, probably. Apparently he's been nominated um, for Best Supporting. Uh, actor in a supporting role, Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of Chicago 7. Now, I have seen this on Netflix, and I have lost count the amount of times I've scrolled past it. Now I feel as if I need to go and watch it, because he's been nominated, so maybe he's good in it. Let's just take a minute. <coughs> I, uh, this microphone... I don't know. I don't know what I have done. I have a, I have a, I have a, a, an itch every now and again to move things. Right where most of us done it when we were young. Uh, it was the only power you had. It was the only thing you were in control of when you were young. Was the layout of your bedroom. So I would, <laughs> I would change my my layout. 
I mean, it was a rectangle, right? And one corner had a, a fucking boiler in it, so you couldn't even hear that corner. Very, very little you could do, but you got creative, right? And you put beds in positions where beds shouldn't be, but you had control over it. And sometimes your mum would cut a stair and she'd be like, in fact, sorry, banging. You'd be like, move my room a bit. And she'd go, oh, and just roll her eyes and go, whatever. Leave them. And uh, so I have this, this thing where I, I seem to have I've moved things around the desk to try and get slightly better positions because we're, we're, res- we're restricted in the uh, in the studio at the moment where we're, we're, we're broadcasting in a corner. Um, and then I've moved things, I've just moved them all back. And now that I've moved them back, this microphone has decided that it's, uh, it's no one to play balls anymore. So I think this cable uh, desperately needs replaced. Um, so we need to do that after this podcast. I'm, in fact, I'm sure I mentioned this in the last one, that I need to replace this cable. So... I'm going to need to make a note. In fact, I'll, I'll write a goddamn note down. That's how serious I'm taking this. Um, so, can I believe there's Oscars out? Can I believe there's Oscars out? Can I believe Cheltenham's on? Um, like I said, I was listening to it on the radio. I, ju- I just find it very strange that there, there, there will be no audience there. Uh, I heard today that there are a lot of trainers or well-known trainers or, or famous horses that are not going to be there because a lot of the stables lose money in Cheltenham just purely for the costs that are involved in attending. Um, But they do so because it's kind of like, you know, a feather in the cap. It's like a trade show, if you will. You know, you're you're maybe not considered a a real stable um, unless you attend Cheltenham, a a big event in the race calendar. And uh, and a lot of them are saying that we'll just not be attending this year because they will take the hit on the loss financially, Solely because they get to hang out with their friends and have a party and go wild for a couple of days and, uh, you know, get their palms read by the the Irish gypsies that come over. And they don't have any of that this year. So there are a lot of people who are not in attendance and uh, they're questioning why really going ahead. Uh, I was I was hearing that they've have, they've turned part of, I believe, the stable enclosures into like some kind of makeshift accommodation for the staff and the, the stable hands. It just seems like it's an incredible amount of work for something that probably necessarily doesn't need to happen. Now listen, I have no I have no great um feelings for or against horse racing. I, I am a, a little bit surprised that it's still even a thing. If I'm honest with you. I imagine horse racing is none of us will ever be involved in the sport. I mean you're not gonna be a jockey. Nobody's gonna turn around at forty and go, I wanna be a jockey. <laughs> I mean I know the government hit out with the lines of, you know, we should all be retraining. Or am I going to walk into a job centre? I want to I be a jockey. I think I've, I think I've got the accent. I'd love to, I'd, I'd fucking love to be a jockey. How are we going to retrain me? How could you retrain me to be a jockey unless I'm racing on the back of a hippo? Elephant, elephant racing. Elephant racing in India. Boom, there you go. <laughs> That's the only... That's the, that's the only fucking thing I could jockey. <laughs> You'd need to cut me off at the knees. I'd like to retrain as a jockey, please. So I, I am a little bit amazed that horse racing is still a thing. And I know people will say things like, listen, there's a massive supply, uh, employer of people, you know, it's a huge industry. Is it, is it really? Is it really? Look at the places I've got horse racing, right? The UK, France, a little bit, 
not as much as they don't have the, the, the pomp and pageantry of the UK. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe because it's all connected to the royals and it's you not know, royal such and such and royal bloody blah and fuckity fuck nugget and do 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 do. Maybe that's the appeal. That people go to Cheltenham and they put their fucking the top hat and the tails on and they all stand there with their bottles of moe as the fucking the royals get dragged down with the horse drawn carriage and then they, they let the scum in and they get their tits out and then and they get they get pumped and then they, they rob the bookies. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe it unites Maybe, in my own argument, I've done a complete 180 here. Horse racing is the greatest thing to unite this country uh, since World War II. There, I said it. But we should all be involved in horse racing. Bring it, but there should be a horse meet every week. Cheltenham every weekend. Fuck knows, man. But uh, will I be gambling? Uh, no, I will not. Um, somebody had asked, uh, actually, if I can find it. I wonder if I can find it here. Um, David Richardson, Cheltenham this week. If you had to name your own racehorse, uh, what would you name it? Ah, I think. It, ah, do you know what? I'd call it Donkey. I'd call it Donkey. <laughs> I mean, you either call it something personal to you, right? Uh, you know, like you name it after your your mother or your gran, or you name it after somebody in the family who who lost their life or that whatever, right? Or you name it something. That is either embarrassing or stupid for a commentator to say. Now, you could obviously call it Tits McGee or Spunk Bubble McGuffey, right? But they're not going to read that out. Here comes Spunk Bubble. Maybe they would read that out. But you want to have something that sounds daft that they're going to say. And Donkey would be a good one. Donkey now on the back straight. Donkey come up here. Four lines to go. And Donkey's over the fourth line. And Donkey's like, Donkey takes his bio. And it's the Donkey's the one. Donkey would be good. Fuck it, Donkey. Fred and Rose West. <laughs> the Wests? <laughs> no, I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna say I'm gonna self censor. I'm self censoring. Get back. Call a donkey. Imagine the cost in having a uh, having a horse must be extortionate. I imagine that must be a license to print money. A a, a great way to rob the rich would be having a racehorse. You turn up, who's donkey doing? Oh, gaffer. I had to put a new pair of shoes on the cunt, man. Oh, that's eight grand. <laughs> I wonder if you can... T- I wonder if there's like a... You know, like, quick fit. I took a tyre in the car recently. And uh, I thought money was bending me over the, the car, the price they gave me. And then I phoned quick fit, and the guy went, that's actually quite a good price. And I went, in the name of God, what country do we need to invade to get the price of tyres to come down? Can you can you take your horse around different, <laughs> different shops? <laughs> He's going to need four new shoes. Fuck it, yeah. New Sani B-belts for the horseman. I imagine there must be. So, huge costs involved. So, I want to have a horse. Um, I, I've, we found a programme called Below Deck. Below Deck? Below Deck. Um, and it's about yachties, uh, darling. People uh, who work on a chartered yacht, my love. Uh, out of the Caribbean, Right. And it's one of those programmes that when I first heard about it, I thought it would be awful. And can I say, it is absolutely spectacular. I genuinely love it. I genuinely love it. I'm hooked. It's got the right mix. It's It shows you a bit of the luxury life. And there's a, there's a few characters that you get to develop over the course of the season. And uh, and then the people that come on these boats are just pure white trash. There's no other word for it. 
They are white trash, absolute scum. Every single person that has ever appeared on this program who charters this yacht is a classless scumbag. And that is why you should watch it. Because it gives you an insight into how these people live. I have never really met full-blood aristocracy. I've never met them, right? I I have met a couple of posh cunts in my life. I have met a few people who have come from money, but I've never met real blood, like, you know, fucking, we can trace ourselves back to Alexander the Great, right? My cousin, my mother, the dogs are feather. Those kind of people, right? I've never met them. But the, there is something about that that lifestyle that just comes naturally to them. And when you see people who are not from money, but somehow have managed to create wealth for themselves, and then they place themselves in these positions, so they, they charter a yacht, which I believe is about 140 grand, uh, a week going up to 300 grand a week depending on the boat right now 300 grand a week is a disgusting amount of money to be spending on hiring a boat right but hear me out hear me out on one of them i think you can get 10 people on it right now if you get 10 of your pals and you charter a yacht at 300 grand that's 30 grand a skull right now 30 grand again is a disgusting amount of money to be spending on a holiday. But if you've got that, 30 grand's fuck all to you. You, you. you may even struggle to get a return first class ticket for 30 grand on a plane. And you're getting a boat. So all you're chipping, all your food and drinks are covered, right? So you just abuse the drink, just bevy as much as you can. But watching these people on this boat, they are absolute scumbags. There's people getting steaming, there's people saying very inappropriate things, there's... There's people just turning up and, and giving it all this bravado. It's it's quite sad, actually, to see people living in that way. You know, people who, like I said, are classless. In one of the episodes, I remember, because it stands out, I, I don't know anything about MMA, right, but apparently there's a company called Tap Out, which I think is a clothing line associated with MMA or UFC or something like that. So the guy who created Tap Out rents the boat with a group of his friends and again just white trash just fucking white trash and the whole time I'm watching I'm going the thing that I find interesting is that people own these boats right so they, they say that the boats cost like 20 million dollars up to 50 million dollars and people buy them right as a as a business so I win I win the lottery I win 200 million the euro millions right and I buy as a as a as a business investment, I am advised to buy a super yacht. So I buy a super yacht for twenty million dollars and then I send it out on the on season. And people charter the boat and they spend upwards of you know $150,000 dollars for a week on the boat. And uh, and then I get money as obviously being the owner and pay people to look after and it's an investment and it earns money and blah blah blah. If if I was told and I wonder if it's an interesting thing, because I am I wonder if there's anybody who owns these yachts. Like, the boat they were out on, if I am the owner of that boat, 
and I am watching that season back, I'd be getting straight on the phone going, don't ever, we need to start vet, we need to start vetting these people. Do I do not want white trash American scumbags on my boat. I don't know how else to make that clear. But you should watch it. Below Deck, it's uh, it's great, man. It's just shit telly, but it's great. I, I absolutely, I'm hooked on it. I've now, I'm now on the, uh, moving on to season four. That's how much I've blitzed it. And uh, it's brilliant. These boats are beautiful, man. I wonder what it would be like to just be on that boat for a bit. You know, just like to charter one of these things and, and have like a personal chef. And part of me thinks it would be boring. You know, I'm, I've never been a, I never will be a sit by the pool sunbathe kind of guy. That bores the shit out of me. Playing with the toys they've got, okay, right? Jet skiing, they've got the wee speed boats. You know, you, you've done that once or twice. And then you go to an island, they take you to like a private island and you, you have a barbecue, right? You know, I, just, I don't know, I just think it'd be quite boring. I think it would be quite boring after a time. But I mean, I would still, I'd still love to experience it, you know? Weighted on hand and foot? Yes, please! But if you get a chance, watch it. It's great. Below Deck, there's two seasons on Netflix and then uh, there's another six seasons after that, I think, um, which you can find through various, you know, back channels, uh, to use a nautical term. <laughs> See what I did there. Check it out, man. Below Deck, brilliant. Right, let's uh, let's talk a wee bit about some, some stuff that has uh, happened in the news and uh, a few things I saw today as well. Um, Sturgeon apparently, um, she'd been making a statement this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I'm just trying to get the updates here on the website. It's saying, Nicola Sturgeon says lockdown will start to be lifted from the beginning of April. I believe, and I could be wrong, I think the date it was quoted was the 2nd of April. Um, that apparently the uh, the stay-at-home order may be lifted. Now, I, none of us know what that's going to look like because, again, the, the Scottish government seems to be falling into this pattern of giving us information but being extremely vague on what that information is. Um, so, from what I understand, uh, First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has said that the lockdown will start to be lifted from the 2nd of April Um from the initial things that I saw in the news, it seems as if that will be uh, level four will be reduced. What it will be reduced to, I have no idea. There was talk as well in another article that I saw that apparently the tier system may be replaced with something else. So God knows what's going to happen. I find it very interesting that of everything that's going on uh, in the world currently, the uh, the top two points that are listed on the BBC uh, website at the moment are Nicola Sturgeon says lockdown will start to be lifted from the beginning of April, followed by hairdressers to open on the 5th of April. So it's good that we've got our stuff in place. It's good to see <clears throat> that we everything that's happening on this fucking planet. We've got our priorities right again. <laughs> when we're the sec this of everything that's happening right now as we live and exist on this fucking planet. The top two points from a, an afternoon briefing from the First Minister, the leader of this country. And the second point is, you'll be able to get your fucking haircut for the 5th of April. Now listen, I understand that to women and gay men, their hair is the most important thing. I fucking get it. Listen, I get it. 
but can we not just? I feel as if I'm going mad with with the news in this country and the and the things that are being reported. I feel as if I'm going mad. I I, I keep thinking back to an old sketch from uh, <clears throat> the thick of it. When the producer is in one of the BBC news broadcasts and he's he's talking about news and uh, he's saying that that's not going to run or they're going to move a story up. Even when you think about something like Good Morning Vietnam, when Robin Williams is in the newsroom with their two fucking weird ginger twins and he rips the news off and he goes to read it and he gets his balls kicked because nothing has been approved yet. And when he gets it and they just put a red pen through everything and they can't read it, that's what it feels like the news is at the moment. Of everything that's gone on, of everything that's fucking happened, and we're going to touch on it a little bit in a moment. The main news points we get are lockdown situation will ease in Scotland at the beginning of April. What the fuck does that mean? So it's no really news because it doesn't actually answer any point and hairdressers are likely to open for the 5th of April. So explain to me how we are able to say hairdressers will open from April 5th, black and white, no grey areas. You will be able to go to hairdressers from April 5th, but the first point is lockdown restrictions are likely to ease from the beginning of April. What does that fucking mean? Honestly, I, I feel as if... <clears throat> I feel like I'm going slightly mad. I am I am desperately trying to completely distance myself from all social media, from all news, and just exist in my own bubble. I'm, I'm back to really hating social media again. Uh, I follow very few people, and even the few people that I do follow... It, it it's becoming increasingly frustrating at some of the at some of the stuff that I'm seeing, and it, and it does feel as if we have all fallen into a point where, sadly, words speak louder than actions. That's what it feels like just now. It feels as if we are all content with saying things and doing either nothing or very little about it. It's a, it just feels like it's an odd, it, uh, uh, it almost feels as if, and I don't really know, I don't know why, it's just a feeling I have, but it feels like the world is literally about to tip over the edge of a waterfall, like we're literally about to go over the edge of a cliff, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because we, we are getting closer to hopefully this whole COVID situation being over and we can put it behind us, but it feels like any goodwill that we had towards our fellow man is now completely gone. And we are back at a state of fear and anger towards almost everyone. Literally every major group feels as if it's constantly against each other. And it is a, it's a very sad, the world's quite a sad place right now. It feels like there's no, there's no joy in the world. It feels like there's no happiness in the world. And it's, it's, it's sad man. It really is sad. This whole COVID situation, the last year, I mean, we've, we've passed a year now in lockdown, but I, I just wish people would wake up a little more and start to realise how badly this has been communicated, not only by our officials in government, but also by our media. I, uh, but what would, what would the change be, Gibble? I don't know. How would it look? I don't know. This is just the world we're in, you know, we, we stupidly thought that by having access to 24-hour news and 
online streams and blogs and feeds and, and access to news from across the globe, we, we somehow felt as though that that would give us more information when what more information is actually done for us, it's actually given us less because it's now almost impossible to feed your way through the shite that you see on a daily basis to actually get to a story. So who knows, man? I I I, I am done uh, listening to any dates um, from either government, whether it be Westminster or, or Holyrood. Um, we'll be out of this thing when we're out of it, and that's it. Um, so I, I'm not going to get excited about this uh, April the 2nd, um, because we don't know what that looks like. It could be, you know, you maybe <coughs> can sit in a beer garden again. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what Nicholas, Nicholas Sturgeon's priorities are at this point. Um, this article says travel restrictions in and out of Scotland are scheduled to end from April 26th, but international travel uh, will not be achievable before May 17th. I, I imagine those are going off, those dates are going off uh, vaccination dates. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, also, uh, April 26th, cafes, pubs and restaurants can open until 8pm indoors but not serve alcohol. Utterly pointless. Outdoor drinking will be permitted until 10pm. Uh, so that's April 26th, apparently. So, you know, what's to happen at the start? Uh, the aim is to have the lowest level of restrictions across Scotland by the end of June. Uh, that could mean physical distancing rules remaining, along with number limits and table service and hospitality. Mainland Scotland has been in lockdown since 26th December last year. Uh, hairdressers will reopen, I couldn't care less. Schools will resume, right, we don't know. Uh, from 17th May up to four people from two... Oh, I'm not going to read that. We're not, go we're not going to go down that line again when we start reading the whole six people for two households can meet and one person for that household can mix and two people can be in a bubble, but if anybody's got the same letter than the first name, then you have to distance yourself by seven and a half metres. Let's not go back doing that road. Let's just... Let's not go back doing that shit again. Let's just, uh, let's just wait and see what happens. Um... Right, let, let's talk about the uh, the horrific stuff that's happened over the weekend in the last uh, couple of days with Sarah Everhart, 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 I really struggle to say her name. Um, absolutely horrific, horrific thing that's happened to this poor woman. Um, 33-year-old, from what I understand, and again, I've no, I've not read everything on it because it's just... Uh, it's just so sad, you know, it's so fucking sad. Um, 33-year-old woman walking home, she is abducted. Um, I tried to read a wee bit today, I can't get too much more information on it, but reading between the lines, the fact that she was identified by dental records would either lead you to believe that the body was in such a horrific state that it was unable to be identified um, normally by, by family. Uh, and the use of dental records, or um, this fucking cunt has done something horrendous to the body, um, which has been unable for it to be identified. Now, what has added to this? Um, I think what's what's adding into this is that it has happened at a time when the country's maybe locked down. We already feel unsafe. A lot of people do. And it further highlights the threat of, or the constant threat of violence towards women from men. 
and it's a very it's a very difficult thing to talk about as a man because I think that if you are not aware of yourself as a man then there's very little that can be said to you if you are one of these men who gets angry that when people say you know not all men or you know or, or you take the action of isn't all men fucks I mean listen if that is the if that's the kind of thing that can set you off then you've probably got to have a look at yourself these these comments that are made they they are not directed at anyone in particular because no one knows who you are or no one knows who's reading these things but whether you want to admit it or not i would say and without knowing any numbers whatsoever i would say it's very unlikely that a lot of attacks that are against women are women on women I would say the vast majority, I would say probably, if I had to take a guess, at least over 95% of all violent crimes against women are conducted by men. Now, I don't know that for sure. I've picked that figure right out my fucking arse. But I would bet my bottom dollar on it. There are obviously a number of things that have to change. And... And and this is sometimes things can become quite simple when we when we break this down. These are huge issues that we're discussing: violence against women and violence against men. But in this occasion, we are focusing on violence against women, and not only violence against women, making women feel unsafe or uneasy. Now we have all experienced it. We have all been out somewhere late at night and whether it's a group of guys or, you know, a group of daft boys or daft bams or drunks or whatever, we've all experienced it where we have felt uneasy. Now imagine feeling that on a more regular basis if you are a young woman. And and as a man, we, we are unable to, to comment on that. I can speak of occasions where I have been, you know, nervous or concerned about a group that may be coming towards me, but I know I'm confident enough that I can handle myself, if you want to say that. Not that women can't handle themselves, but what I'm saying is we will never experience that on a regular basis. Now, this goes back to some of the points that were raised about Black Lives Matters and the, and the BLM movement. As a, as a white man, I'll never understand, but I can start to take check of how I conduct myself. Now, I I have been, I I have done this for a number of years. I know what I look like, right? I am a big man. And if you don't know me, I think when I have a resting bitch face, I think I have quite an angry face. When my face is relaxed, you know, I think I look quite angry. I don't know why, it's just the way my face is. If I am out at night and I find myself out most nights, usually with a dog, if I am ever on a street and I see a, a woman walking towards me, I will walk, I will cross the road. I've always done it. I don't know why. Well, no, I do know why. I, I do it because I look. I know what I look like. I look frightening. If I was to come round a corner and I was to see someone who looked like me, a big fucking massive bear in the middle of the night when I'm walking alone, I, you know, you would maybe think, what the fuck's going on? Right, so I am conscious of that. 
And if we can start to make those little things, this is what a lot of this comes down to when we see stuff on social media, I think. And again, this is just my opinion on stuff, so fucking take it as what you want or throw it in the bin. If everybody starts to take more responsibility for themselves and understand what is right and what is wrong, and if your opinion or your idea as a man is, why the fuck should I cross the road? There is literally nothing I can do for you. If your first thought in this is, why should I try and make women feel safe? I'm not going to do anything. There's nothing I can do for you, right? Get in the fucking sea. Cross the road. Walk a different route. I've done that before when I've been I've been walking somewhere and I have been in a situation where, I, you know, I, I've, I've, listen, I'll give you an example. I've done it before where I have been walking to go home and there was a woman in front of me and I don't know how we ended up walking in the same path, but we ended up walking the same road. And I know where I'm going. I'm going home and I know my route. And I'm thinking, if she doesn't turn left or right down one of these streets soon, I'm going to go a different direction because I am not walking behind this woman all the way home. I feel uncomfortable when I feel people walking behind me. I say to Yaz all the time, I go, fuck, we're getting followed, right? And I say it out loud and sometimes it makes people feel awkward. But mind you, that is Edinburgh and everybody walks up your fucking heels here anyway. If we all take responsibility for ourselves... We can make a, a little change quite quickly. And it's simple things like... And I know this sounds so fucking petty, man, when we're talking about some awful fucking cunt that's done something that's terrible. Just be more conscious. That That's it. That's, that's probably what I'm trying to say. Be more conscious of yourself. Be more self-aware of your situation your surroundings and, and just stuff that's going on. I I had a I had a I was telling some of this story. I, when I when I was doing in, in London, right, <clears throat> I used to hate getting the tube home at night because I felt as if it always went to different different spaces. I was living in Parsons Green at the time and I remember coming back and I don't know if it was Fulham or I don't know which stop it was, but there's a stop where I had to change trains to get on a different line. And it always threw me because I was above ground. So I would get into the tube, I'd be underground, I'd get out underground, and then I'd have to change, and all of a sudden I was overground, and I'm outside, and then I'm going back underground again, right? And it used to always fry my brain, because I'd think, where the fuck am I? So one night I'm sitting, I sat on a bench, uh, a young woman, no, to me she's young, she probably was about my age, but she looked very young, sitting at the end of the bench, it's a very long bench. And I could hear this guy singing and, and talking and I thought right he's a fucking drunk and he's he's coming around begging and he's doing what a lot of them do in London they'll say I'm not a beggar I'm going to tell you a story or a joke and he made a beeline for this woman and uh, <clears throat> she was frantically trying to search for money I, I remember that I was on my phone at the time and I remember in my head thinking I cannot be fucked with this guy I'd just done a show I was tired I was not in the mood and uh, I remember her partner jacket like that because that's what drew my attention and I turned around and he was right up close to her and uh, I remember hearing her say I don't have any money and then he went to go off in one uh, about like I've never asked you for money and do it so I just said to guy, I says mate do me a favour come over here and tell me your fucking story so I got the guy away for her and then he rabbited on for half an hour well no half an hour he literally rabbited on for about a minute and a half 
And I says, mate, I'm going to stop. You're having to get any money on me. So if if we're going to finish this lovely little uh, ditty with any chances of money or a fucking sob story, then you're batting up the wrong tree, buddy. And uh, he never got aggressive, but you could see that he, you could see he knew that the conversation was over. And then I says, how the fuck did you go on the platform anyway? Like, I never understood how he got on the platform without a ticket. And then he left and he buggered off. Now, I, I think I I... I just wanted him to get away from her. I could see she was uncomfortable. I never then turned and made it a big thing, you know. And I, I never then used that as a as an opportunity to engage with someone. I I just left it as it was. She she got on the the train. Um, I remember she when she sat down. I kind of you know she kind of smiled and then she went off and that that was it. I'm not. I don't even know what I'm trying to say with that story. I'm just trying to say we've probably all had situations in our past where we could do something to make someone's life a little bit easier. Whether that be a woman, a young woman, an old woman, whether that be another man, we can do things to make situations easier for people. And if we start doing that, that is more constructive than is doing a post on social media. Yes, these things are important too, but we need to start being responsible for ourselves. Now, what happened to this young woman is absolutely horrific. Um, and let me just very quickly say two things, because I am aware that this is maybe a comedy podcast and there's not really much chuckles in this episode. <laughs> let me say two things. The fact that that man is a police officer is disgusting. And I I will say this, and I imagine a lot of people will disagree with me, and that is the, the power of discussion. We can agree, disagree, we can talk about things, we can move forward. I do believe in the death penalty. I really do. I uh, I know that, and in this point I'm going to keep it quite simple. I understand there will be huge discussions uh, on the legal side around that. What if you were to commit someone to death who then proven to be not guilty? Then I would argue that our legal system is fucked if that's the case. And I also would stress at this point, we are not America. Okay, we've got one of the most thought after legal systems in the world. And I would I would hope that there would be a reform of that in some way or or, or robust nature in which we could tackle these cases. If you have someone who commits a, a crime and a murder in such a fashion as this, I do believe they should be sentenced to death. I think it should be very quick. I don't think there should be a long, drawn-out process. I think if you are found guilty, I think you should be held in custody for one month, one calendar month. If there has been no new evidence brought uh, to the court within a month, then your sentence is carried out. You are taken into a room, and you are disposed of. You are disposed of like a fucking rabid dog. Put the cunt down. That's my opinion. A lot of people will disagree with me. Some of you listening to this will completely disagree with me. And that's fine. But that is how I feel. I think there are certain crimes. I think there are certain things that humans do to each other which are unspeakable. And this man is one of those people. I also do think that that would be a deterrent. I really do. Um, I, I think that if people felt there was a chance that they would be sentenced to death or there was a chance that the, the punishment would be so severe 
I do think there would be a deterrent on there. I also think that the police should be held to higher regard. I really do. I think that if you are a police officer, I think that you have a, a duty. I don't think it is a job. Uh, I think it's above that. And I think that if a police officer is found to have committed a crime, I do believe they should be held to a higher account than a civilian. How many occasions in the past could this man have been stopped? How many of his colleagues were aware of his actions? You know, this this is the thing that, that we speak about a lot where people need to do things rather than, than say things. How many of his colleagues were aware of how he conducted himself? Because I guarantee you this will not be the first time. Maybe it's the first time he's abducted the mud or something, but it will not be the first time that he's done something inappropriate. No way. So how many of his colleagues have turned a blind eye? What will happen to them? Nothing, I would imagine. It's um, <clears throat> it's just a horrendous, horrendous situation. I cannot imagine what the poor woman's family is going through. I cannot imagine what the poor woman had to go through in her final moments with that fucking monster. And I really do think it is the least that we could do to find him guilty and sentence him to death. I, I generally do. Um... But again, it's quite a it's quite a touchy subject for a lot of people. the uh, The other thing that was brought up and uh, <clears throat> was the the vigil and the way in which the police conducted themselves uh, at the vigil that was held for Sarah. Um, I, I'm sure by now we've all seen the pictures of the the woman with the red hair being detained, forcibly detained by the police. I'm only going to say this about it. I'm not going to start comparing it to, you know, the the Rangers fans in George Square or the Black Lives Matter protests or the protests by, you know, uh, Greenpeace, what we saw before lockdown when we took over a bridge in London. I think that the police have not only completely overstepped the mark in this occasion, I think they have done real damage to the reputation of the Metropolitan Police. I really do. If if we are... And I go back to my point about the police being held in a higher regard. If you are in a normal working environment, for example, um, and this is, this is something that happened to me, I had... <clears throat> years and years and years ago, a long, a long, long time ago, probably... 12, 14, maybe even 16 years ago. Jesus Christ. In fact, it would have been about 14 years ago. I was uh, invited to a Scotland game at Murrayfield. Now, uh, people who I used to work with, managers I worked with, had left the business that I was with at that point and had gone to uh, a competitor, competitor business. And this is when I was in the call centres. And I got invited to Murrayfield for a Scotland game. Now, I was told to wear a shirt and tie because I was going in the box with fucking Princess Diana. It was going to be our fancy dinner. And I never realised until I got there that it was potentially an interview. Now, what happened was it was corporate seats. Uh, the, the business was there. They were, inter they were inter entertaining a client. And I was brought along as uh, light relief and banter, believe it or not. Um, 
So I never worked for the company. I didn't have a job. I just knew a lot of the people there. And when I was speaking to the uh, the the guests or the potential clients, I wasn't talking about business because I didn't know the business. But I was talking about people, and we were just having chats, and it was all very nice, and the game was great, and I'm a big rugby fan, and lovely. In the very same event, on the very same occasion, there was someone who was from the business who ended up losing his job by the way he conducted himself at that event. He got far too drunk, he said things he shouldn't have said, and he lost his job because he was there representing the business and he overstepped the mark. Now, I would think that the police men or women who were at this vigil, who conducted themselves in such a way that people were being restrained and arrested, I would say, and this is just my opinion, that they have overstepped the mark and they have brought the name of the Metropolitan Police into disrepute. I don't think anyone could argue that. You can only see by the newspaper articles, the way it's been spoken about online, the pictures that we've seen. So why are the officers not released from the positions? Why are they not fired? It seems as if the last year, probably the last couple of years, the police have almost become a law unto themselves. Now you could argue that the police were only doing their job, you could argue that the police were carrying out orders, then you have to bring in stuff like George Square. And I would say to you, well, why were the police not doing their job then? Why were the police not carrying out orders? Because if we have to have a level playing field with the way in which police conduct themselves around a gathering, because let's be clear as well, this vigil was as much a vigil as it is a protest, the scenes at George Square were not a protest. The scenes at George Square were not a vigil. It was a party. It's very difficult for people watching to see that the police can conduct themselves in one way but not another. So, it's um, it's a very it's a very very tough situation, and it almost feels as if you you can't. Not that you can't do right from wrong, but we, you're conscious of what I'm certainly conscious of what I'm saying, and um, I think that's just because. Listen, we we should not be living in a time where people feel unsafe. We really shouldn't. There'll always be parts of a town or a city where you maybe don't want to walk at a certain time of night. You're never going to change that, but we should not be living in a time where uh, a woman is unable to walk home on her own without being abducted and murdered by a fucking police officer. That should not be happening. I, I saw something about the uh, they took CCTV footage from a bus and from a ring doorbell. I can remember when I was young in the 90s, and they talk about this the almost as if every street in the fucking country is covered by CCTV, and that clearly is not the case. Um... How do we change this moving forward? I don't know. I do think we all have to become more responsible for ourselves. And I think we all have to think about how we conduct ourselves. I really do. Um, I think there maybe needs to be a review of the police. I, I think maybe police officers need to have uh, an evaluation, possibly every 12 months. I think there needs to be more... I think there needs to be more review, probably in the private life of officers um, I, I wouldn't imagine for a second that 
this has just come out the blue. And again, I'm only speculating here, but I imagine if if this guy has gone to the point where he's abducted and murdered somebody, I imagine there has been signs, whether it is his internet activity, the pornography that he watches, the, the sites that he interacts with, the people he talks to, the discussions that he has online. And again, and I know that maybe it's wrong, but I do think the police need to be held in a higher regard. So I would hope there is an investigation of his colleagues. I would hope there is an investigation of the police involved in the, I would say, probably physical restraint of people when I didn't need to be at the at the the gathering in London. Um, but will that happen? Who knows? Sadly, it feels very much like uh, George Floyd in the sense that, you know, there will be deep anger and outrage for a couple of weeks, months, and then it will it will dissipate and it'll be something else. And it feels as if we always have something that grips us and keeps us moving on, but nothing ever really changes. You know, no one ever really gets a hold of something and says, this will change. So maybe we have to do that. Maybe we have to all be more responsible for ourselves. Who knows, man? Who knows? Um, this article here, it was uh, published on Monday. It says, police have made arrests after warning protesters in London to head home immediately uh, as they will be moving towards enforcement activity. One female protester told officers she was in her local area and had been going home before she was detained. Another demonstrator was placed in handcuffs while fellow com campaigners shouted, don't kneel on his neck. Police officers could be heard uh, instructing them to leave immediately. It comes after Westminster Bridge was blocked uh, this evening. This is Monday night, just gone, as part of a demonstration against violence against women and proposed new legislation that would give police more powers. Uh, a bus was seen struggling to get through the crowds as traffic uh, cops warned drivers to find a different route. Again, I, I, know, I know we can't compare it, but I do think back to the scenes at George Square and I think, Christ, not one arrest. <clears throat> not one arrest, not one fixed parent notice, no one detained. I wonder if the people who are attending this protest, I wonder if they'd been more violent. Would that have made a difference? If it had been a violent protest, if it had have been, you know, if they had flares, if they had started to trash things, would that have made it different? I don't know. It seems as if people who were there peacefully have been uh, have been forcibly removed once again with the police. I don't know. Listen, it's it's a real it's a real horrible. It's I think as well because it's so it happened so recently. I think it's important that we we don't kind of get carried away in the sense that this there's a poor woman who's lost her life, and uh, her family must be going through hell. So I suppose the thing to say is that as as men, we need to think about how we conduct ourselves. And what we do going forward from this point on. And just please don't take the attitude of, but I'm already, I'm mushing, I'm a good guy, man, I don't do anything. Maybe one of your friends needs a word in his ear, or maybe you're out sometimes for a beer in the future once all this is over, maybe somebody does or says something they shouldn't, then, you know, that's your, that's your moment to shine, big boy. Maybe you listen, you think back to this podcast and to this conversation, you know? Your friend does something that's inappropriate or they, they do something they shouldn't you know maybe you step in one of your friends says to you that she's going to walk home alone uh, maybe you walk with her you know you get a taxi you make sure people are safe 
We don't need a mollycoddle woman. Women are strong, independent women. But there are bad people in the world. And we need to we need to do more. We need to do more. I don't really know what to say in that. It's just a it's just a horrible it's just a horrible, horrible situation. Right, we're gonna we're gonna end we're gonna end this episode and uh a somber note, man. But you know, sometimes I wish life was just all joy and happiness. And uh sometimes, sadly, there are things that happen in life which are not fun at all. And uh certainly do not deserve or warrant uh a, a light hearted look or discussion on the subject. Sometimes things happen which are Truly, truly horrific, and this was one of those things. Um, yeah. Thank you for listening. Not, not all, <laughs> not all is doom and gloom and <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Let's hope something fun happens between now and uh, next week. Right. Watch Below Deck. You'll love it. Um, what else? Nothing else. Nothing else. We don't need to mention it at this point. Um. Quiz on a Wednesday night on Facebook. Join me, kick off half eight, share the podcast, uh, enjoy it, encourage people to listen. Those of you who are rascals on the Patreon, a uh, new episode out this Sunday. 50, we just cl- crossed the 50 mark, half a century. The 50th Patreon only episode came out last Sunday. Um, and it's a beauty. So if you're not part of the uh, Patreon army, if you're not a rascal, then consider becoming one. Head to patreon.com forward slash big Scott Gibson, P A T R E O N dot com forward slash big scott gibson you can sign up for as little as four quid and uh pound a week i mean what is that pound a week to get an extra patreon only episode uh so please do that if you can help support the show uh that's it team thank you for listening a uh, bit of a bit of a different one uh this time round uh but you know sometimes sometimes we need when you go down the serious road but uh, i hope you enjoyed it thank you for listening Look after yourselves. For the love of God, please look after yourselves. Stay safe, wash your hands and your arsehole and hopefully I will see you on the battlefield very, very soon. Take care, guys. Almost. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns